Welcome to Fighting Words this week. I've been off for a couple weeks. Had to rest from my last guest, Joe Rogan. He was a bit feisty. <laughs> Had to choke him out. Proverbially. Yeah. No, literally. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> That's, he's got a I big kicked neck. his butt. Uh, actually, no. That, that guy's a beast. Um, you need to work on your kettlebell workout. Yeah, and take some more testosterone. <laughs> you know, he does that. He takes uh, He does testosterone supplements. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Huh. He's pretty unabashed about it. You know, oh, by the way, who am I talking to? Who oh. are you? My hey, name. Let me ask you who you are. Don't, I don't want a name. Oh. Forget a name. You're going nameless today. Oh, wow. That's. The next words out of your mouth is going to be what? Donovan Santamaria with. Oh, who shit. are you? That's a lot. Um, I'm a guy. Uh, <laughs> no, that's how, <laughs> this is already, how this binary. Already terribly. Yeah, uh, this is terrible. Cut. <laughs> this podcast is just, over. Just a guy. Um, Actually, you could say your name. Uh, I'm Hank Welter. Um, I'm a local musician. And He's loco. You heard it loco. here first, folks. Yeah, locally raised, grass fed. Um, locally, all that kind of good stuff. <laughs> uh, I play in a couple bands in the area. I hang out, talk shit, usual stuff. <laughs> all right. What kind of name is Welter? It's German, I think. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know much about it, honestly. We're gonna look it up. I'm pretty sure it's, it's probably German for welder or like... I don't one know. who gives welts. One who gives welts, yeah. Yeah. You say you play in a couple bands. As I look up the meaning of your last name, um, tell us a little bit about about that. Okay. A little bit. So my... We only have an hour here, so... <laughs> so my, my primary band is called Soul Sherpa. Um, it's like a funk soul band, kind of neo-funk soul jazz kind of stuff. Um, you just say, said everything. I know, just like a throwing it against the wall see what sticks but like i would say bands that are kind of in our genre would be like um, snarky puppy is like a big brained version of what we are or like hiatus coyote or um like a little bit Wolfpack. although we're a little bit more on the jazz side i would say but it's um it's a now it's a seven piece or eight piece band i'm trying to think yeah we've got two horns bass drums keys um guitar and a female vocalist um, it's a pretty big band, a lot like Herding Cats. Um, but yeah, we're working on an album right now. I'm hopefully going to get that released by the summer. Um, and then I also play with uh, friends of the show, Trees Reach. I uh, sit in on a couple other tracks, and I was on their last album. I played saxophone and clarinet for that as well. So Cool. Now, I listened to their last album. I have to go back there and listen for you, mm-hmm. now that there's a name to the horn. Yeah. I played on I played clarinet on Rain, and then I'm trying to remember what the other one I played saxophone on was. Um uh, I don't remember. I'd have to look at the track list. It's what was it? Hello conscious. Hello conscious. That's right. Yeah. So I played sax one in Hello conscious. Yep. Okay. Real quick. So Welter name meaning German mm-hmm. from a pet form of the personal name Walter. Mm. Now I got to click Walter. <laughs> this is going to take a while. Oh, we're going in deeper than I would have expected. All right, Walter. So it's short for Walter. <laughs> oh, there you go. I'm not. I, yeah, I was. I'm half adopted, so I'm not actually like my line, my bloodline is Ooh. not of the Welters. So, um, okay. Yeah. German, Swedish, and English. Yeah, sounds about right. White. <laughs> yep. Whiter. <laughs> I'm like Dutch. Hank Whiter Diction, than, than you. Definition white. Uh, from a Germanic personal name composed of the elements Wald, which means rule. Mm. And Harry, so Walteri, which means army, oh, ruler wow. of an army, a general. Wow, that's yeah. more regal than I would have anticipated. Yeah, you are a guy. That's a guy <laughs> I'm name. I'm a guy. Here yeah. we roar. My wife's name, Aubrey, means ruler of the elves. <laughs> <laughs> like literally. That's, really? Yeah. I keep pumping the My name means brown warrior. <laughs> Don- Donovan means brown warrior. Huh. Um. Which, my, I have a theory. I've only met one white Donovan in my life other than me. Every Donovan I've met is black. So, I don't know. Maybe there was something to, like, <laughs> something you know, different. looking up names, like, you know, let's give him a good ethnic brown name, you know? It's like Brown Warrior. That's yeah. it. So, all, the, all the white Donovans are just called Don, so you don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
Where were we? Oh, yeah, your band. Soul, Soul Sherpa. Oh. Yep. So I know you guys are on Spotify, but is that the kind of thing that's so dated it's not even worth playing? Or do you feel like... Um, There's still, like, we've had a lot of personnel changes since then, so our singer... I mean, the, our current singer is on the album. Um, We do play a lot of those songs still, so it's it's like a decent picture of who we are, but we've changed quite a bit, I would say. But it's I think it's worth a listen. You get kind of a... You get kind of a uh, a taste, I guess. But yeah, the first album's called Same Wave Train. And we have like an EP from Forever Ago, which I think might be on YouTube, but definitely don't listen to that. <laughs> That's, All right. No. What's what's one of your favorite tracks on that album? Uh, I think probably one of my favorites off of there that we still play is called Dirty Chicken Sandwich. Dirty Chicken Sandwich. Wow. Yeah. That's it's like one. Popeyes. Yeah. That's how I describe Like Pop... Oh, here we go. Ooh. I- I'm sold. It's good. It's good. Already. Nice beat. I gotta turn the levels down. I think. All right. Ugh! Oh, dude, that's like walking through Harlem, just like. Yeah. You gotta wait for the B section. Making the scene. If we have to fast forward, we can. But the second section of the song is my favorite. Well, yeah. Let me fast forward then. All right. Like here. Is that a bunch of white people? Mm-hmm. Man. They must have experienced some pain, though. You know, you don't play soul like that without pain. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. It's coming up. It's coming up? Okay. Uh, the solo that coming up here was between me and the trumpet player from his name's Ben Drury, and it was like first take. We just like locked in. It was if if we don't get to it today, it's worth a listen. For well, future fast episodes. forward. It's coming Man, up right it's, now. It's, oh, okay. Let's go. We're there. Oh, that really changed. Ooh, it's kind of Spanish. Hmm. This is bringing out the brown warrior in me right now. Speaking to your soul. So that's you. What is that? A, the sax? Is yep. that a clarinet? Tenor saxophone. That's my primary. You instrument. can tell how ignorant I am. What is that? A tuba? You can't just tell. <laughs> what is that? A wee woe? <laughs> Didgeridoo, actually. Oh yeah, that's fun, man. So you're on a sax, and what's the other guy playing? Trumpet. Yeah. Now, are you just making this up, or yeah? You... This is entirely improvised. We didn't go in with a plan or anything. It just We just happened to lock in really well. Wow. All right. Well, there's a little taste, folks. Yeah. Good. Soul Sherpa. Mm-hmm. We get Soul Sherbert a lot. Some people also think it's Soul Stripper, but no, it's Soul Sherpa. Yeah. It's like the, the motif we were going for at the time was like... Like Sherpas guide you up the mountain, so they're like guiding your soul up to a higher place. Is kind yeah, of yeah. the idea behind the name. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, well, good. So, new album coming up this year. Any yeah. shows planned? Um, we're basically waiting for the album release, so it'll probably. Okay. The goal is like early summer. We should be up and running again, but we're gonna be hitting the social media game really hard, and so you'll definitely like. Yeah. Yeah. So hit us up on social media, and you'll see. How do they do out. that? Just literally Soul Sherpa. Yeah, Soul Sherpa. I think it's Soul Sherpa Band on Instagram, and then just look up Soul Sherpa on uh, on Facebook. The uh, album cover is like it's kind of like spray paint on the side of a train. Yeah. Really bright colors. So that's kind of our. Uh, yeah, that's the social media stuff. Good deal. Yeah. Did you help found this band? I don't remember. Kind of. I um, I was one of the like very early members. I think the drummer, the guitar player, and bass player Ian. Ian's kind of the head of the band. They were kind of a thing before. Um, they hit me up when I was still going to Kirkwood. I met Ian at a like a jazz band show. He sat in to play bass, and uh, he's like, "Hey, I'm in this band. You gonna come hang out?" And we used to play together. And then I think we picked up Sean, who wrote a good chunk of our original music, like within like a couple months of playing probably earlier than that and then we played a ton like not great bars <laughs> like we played the tiki lounge before it was a thing and 
nobody paid attention. We were playing out of just like garbage speakers and it was rough, just like a crappy Yamaha stage piano. And <laughs> it was a good time. Yeah. But, and then we kind of picked up, we picked up a lot of people like really pretty fast. Like we picked up Casey, our ex uh, keyboard player and alto player within like a couple months of being a band. And then he brought in Ben, the trumpet player. And then Ben brought in, well, actually they both knew DeRosia, who was our trombone player. Um, the only black guy in our band. And then, uh, we kind of picked people up as we went, picked up and dropped people off as we went. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. That's a lot of, a lot of uh, people to keep track of there. Yeah, it's a lot. So, cool. Well, well, we'll certainly do our part to help promo what's going on. I like yeah, that sound, man. It. That's yeah. that's sweet. Dirty chicken sandwich. Um, so, it's been nice to get to know you a little bit. We had the pleasure of uh, getting to know you and your lady Maria mm-hmm. a little bit the other night, and uh, have you over for some dinner. Um, that was some dirty chicken. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Was that? Good, that was from a, India. Your wife's a really good cook. Some actual dirt. That's how you make authentic Indian food. You drop it on the floor. I was say, rub a little dirt. It's actual it. dirt. <laughs> that's a nice grit. That's, that's not feel. That's, that's not coriander. <laughs> that's just dirt. <laughs> it's actual dirt. You ever been somewhere like that? To India? Yeah, like third world. Mm-mm. No, it's crazy. Yeah. India is wild, man. I went uh, a couple years ago. I'll probably go this fall, and it's like time travel. Yeah. Like literally, you're like. Because it's like first century living. There's Stone Age living. Yeah. Some of these villages don't have running water. They, I guess they might have some metal things that they pick up at markets and things like that. So Iron Age living, you know. Like, yeah. But man, you feel transported back to, yeah, other times, and uh, it's it's wild. It's, it's kind of kind of nice. A little bit better family structure back then. Not as atomized as it is here. Kind of. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> That's right. It's traditional. Traditional. So so yeah, man. I wanted to have you uh, on. Um, for a couple reasons, man, I, you like to think and talk and I like to talk. So let's do that. <laughs> so one of us is thinking, um, and there's a couple things running through my mind, things that we've kind of discussed already, but just also things that you've mentioned that I want to follow up on. We don't have an agenda. As I said, we're relying on our charm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, so, um, I don't know. We talked about, we talked about libertarianism and mm-hmm. maybe I'll go there because, you know, I like talking politi- politics with people. I'm not, I'm into politics in the sense that um, it's interesting. It's kind of sociological. It's just, it's just like watching humans. Mm-hmm. And it's a manifestation of hopes and dreams and desires and uh, competing values. And mm-hmm. so it, I love to watch that. I don't get into it in the sense that, well, number one, I don't vote because I'm not a citizen of the U.S. So I've never had the privilege. Um, or the curse of voting. Um, and I also just kind of am pretty disillusioned with the system, like what can, what can actually happen and, and yeah. be accomplished. Um, so so we've, we've talked about that a bit. And maybe we're, I asked you what your ideal form, here's what's interesting to me. I asked you the other night what your ideal form of government structure would be, and mm-hmm. you said monarchy, mm-hmm. which is not something you hear. You know, it's like, socialism libertarianism i don't know well those are the big ones right that are kind of fighting on either end and then somewhere in between some moderate democratic socialism or community but who's going around fighting for a monarchy and i want to know is this just an idea or like do you want to be king uh i don't really no i wouldn't really want to be king i don't think I mean, everybody in their heads is like, "Oh yeah, I could be, you know, I could fix everything. I could be a leader." But I don't, I don't know if I. You could just got to lead for a while, and then that'll. Yeah, and then you'll that'll cure you. Do. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess it's uh, it's not necessarily a super common um, kind of viewpoint to have, but I uh, I listen to some kind of interesting thinkers, and and actually like the idea of having um, maybe not a monarchy, but some sort of like single non sort of democratic leader. Not necessarily like as like so like Putin, <laughs> kind of. I mean, kind, <laughs> kind of. of. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, anyway. <laughs> he's, oh, I think he's he's it's all on the table elected, now. Kind of. um, he's an oligarch. Yeah. Uh, well, he runs the oligarchy. Yeah. Um, but like one of the, I listened to a podcast a while ago where they talked about the nature of power um, and mm. like this idea of soft versus hard power um, and like looking at the U.S. not as like this. Um, run by the people kind of thing, which it kind of has the facade of being like a democratically run. Like you have the, you know, you have the power of the government, but like who, who actually wants to 
screw around in the Middle East and like, you know, drone strike people and getting involved in all these places that don't really represent a direct threat to us. Like when you say who really wants that, you mean in the populace? Yeah. Like who's who are they representing? Right. Well, I can name a couple people. That are, yeah. I, <laughs> this is like their favorite thing, yeah. you know, but, but yeah, as a whole, probably not there. There's just kind of um, there like the U.S. clearly has its own sort of. Um, it has its own sort of like goals that it's clearly going for. Um, and they like every, it seems like every single group of people has this idea in their head that someone is at the, at the reins kind of driving. Um, you know, some people think it's men. Some people think it's white people. Some people think it's, I think it's white men. <laughs> uh, some people think, isn't know, it actually, it I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, like, it, I mean it is in the yeah. U S yeah, I mean, just like, Hey, it's a majorly white, you know? Yeah, that's they're They're right. But, uh, it just like, oh. it kind of occurred to me that like, um, what the U.S. does is it it uses these uh, uses these sort of moral justifications for going to these different places, and they're basically carrying out their own empirical imperial goals or like financial goals or power goals or just like maintaining power between or like the kind of constant struggle between Russia and China um, and like trade grass and all that kind of stuff. Um, but they kind of frame it in a, in a moral framework. They're like, you know, we don't want to use the power that we have, but we're going to, and we're going to convince you, you know, you know, they, they want to go to the Middle East to free women or to, to, um, you know, protect LGBTQ, you know, LGBT stuff. Um, it's more, or find weapons of mass destruction. Find weapons of mass destruction. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we talked about this the other night, basically you're saying it's all a facade. It's kind of what, what, kind of what I was saying, why I don't have a lot of confidence in the political system Mm -hmm. and what can actually be accomplished. I was talking to someone, I think this is a popular, semi-popular actually opinion, is that um, there's like an assumption that, listen, we live in a fallen world. People are going to be bad. Mm -hmm. We better be the baddest mofos on the planet. Now, that's not a Christian perspective necessarily, but in terms of... Just a self-preservation. I think that's a a fairly common posture in uh, maybe I would say Republican circles is like, hey, there's China's going to be in charge. Somebody needs to be in charge. Mm-hmm. And uh, it might as well be us. So if that means, you know, overplaying our hand, mm-hmm. so you can, who's going to be perfect? So you either got to overplay your hand or underplay your hand. Yeah. I'm not saying I support that view. I'm saying, actually, I don't because that's not a... It's not a a Christian worldview, you know, like kick everyone's butt so you can maintain power. That's, but in terms of, uh, I can see why people would have a, a self interest in that. Like, yeah, I you know, in that sense, I guess I'm kind of saying maybe the government is doing the the will of some some demographic of people. They're definitely. You know? I mean, like it's if you, I I think there is some merit to that idea. Like if you're if you're not in control, somebody else is, and especially when you're playing with global powers like this, like. Um, like China is expanding into places like Africa or the Middle East. Like they, they have a lot. They own the Panama Canal. Yeah. Well, like yeah, that's what. I, like they're 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 spreading and trying to cement their power. Like if if the U.S. doesn't have a buffer, I mean, we're going to be Chinese um, or Russian or whatever. Like you kind of you kind of do on a certain extent need to have a certain amount of self preservation. I wouldn't say that like what we do foreign policy wise is necessarily always a good thing. Um, and I wouldn't really advocate for a lot of it. I don't really like the approach that the U.S. has. But at the same time, like, if you want to maintain your way of life, like, I do understand to some extent being able to, like, defend yourself against other rule. Because, I mean, like, China has a lot of, like, the social credit system is kind of freaky. Like, how you can, like, they track everybody's facial, like, structure. And if you say something against the government, then you can't buy groceries and kind of stuff like that. So, like, I, I don't know. There's a certain amount of maintaining your way of life that's a positive thing. But I don't necessarily agree with how do you do it then? Do it. I, I, that's you just wipe them out. You just kill them. Yeah, nuke them. Just kidding. No, not at all. I don't know. It's like uh, in the modern day, it's probably more of like a Cold War kind of thing. Just like puffing out your chest and be like, if you screw with us, we'll knock you out. But it's not like a, I don't, I would never go explicit to war unless there was like a serious reason, like a threat to the U.S. So you, you had mentioned that you were uh, kind of used to be into libertarianism, mm-hmm. libertarianism, um, and you would not describe yourself that way anymore. No, I would, I would say the libertarianism definitely has like, it has a pretty strong effect on me. I would say like, I like the idea of like competition in the market and like using that as a way to sort of refresh, like the companies that can't keep up, get pushed out and, um, the sort of drive towards cheaper products and, 
but the the issue that I kind of see is like like I kind of view businesses almost like governments in a way like they're it's like a central authority that's trying to sort of gain power um I don't know if this is making tons of sense but um so like basically what happens is like in any given field if you've studied like cars or what made it really evident to me was like working in the music industry and like seeing these different instrument makers like you used to have hundreds of different instrument makers um and what happens over time is like these few companies like in in the case of um in the US now instrument producers Con Selmer is one of the big ones Con used to be its own company and so did Selmer but Selmer kind of bought out Con they bought out Busher they bought out all their competition essentially and now it's just like a giant conglomeration they've they've basically centralized their power in the market and now they control it and it's to the point where no real small instrument makers minus like the really high-end sort of boutique stuff really gets off the ground um so like i think that uh in the market like libertarians kind of have this thing where they think you could and i mean realistically a lot of different systems kind of have this idea that if you just like put in this perfect system and in libertarianism it's like little to no government then like the market itself or like this sort of mechanistic um, it's almost, it's almost kind of like a, like a religious sort of like the hand of the market's almost kind of a religious figure, but it's gonna, it's gonna become this utopian sort of society where like no large powers sort of conglomerate. Whereas like it, it realistically seems to me like, especially in early U S history, like when you look at like the steel mills or the places that own mines and stuff, I remember there was this guy talking about how there was like a there was like a riot of these different miners in this town. I'll have to look up the details later, but they like, they weren't getting paid and there wasn't any way for them to get paid. And they actually went to war with this, with this company. And like the company was like shooting and killing these people who worked for them because they were rioting to just like get wages so they could survive. Like, like this idea that companies are entirely benevolent or that they're not going to abuse their power, just like a government's going to abuse their power. It's just like, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. I don't know. It's very utopian. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. There's like an over-optimism on the um, ability for the markets to correct themselves and work out justice. So one of the things we, we discussed uh, uh, last week was this idea of what I see in the Bible is is kind of these, uh, they're not opposing values, they're both values, but they, they end up kind of being an opposing because, because of the fall, I would say, because of the disintegration of, of man and so this idea of property rights, like there does seem to be this, the idea of property rights in the scripture. Like I'm not allowed to steal from you, mm-hmm. right? Like I can't just take your stuff. And if I do, there's going to be a penalty. Yeah. You know, so there seems to be that you have the ability to own something, yeah. right? And, well, and we have pr- the... Yeah. Go I'd ahead. say private property is a good thing. I'm not anti-private property by any stretch. Um, yeah, I mean, and I'd like to talk about that too. That's. Uh, I've been reading this book about the Comanche Indians and just the way that the natives lived um, here in the U.S. Well, you know, it wasn't the U.S. then. And again, I'm not holding them up as an ideal. Nobody's an ideal. And there was plenty going wrong with their societies too. But just the idea that they didn't own property. Mm-hmm. You know, that private property thing is kind of a, it's to some extent a modern, I yeah. mean, when I say yeah, modern, I mean, I don't mean like, you know, within the last 50 years or maybe within the last, you know, thousand or a couple thousand yeah. years people just kind of wandered around like you know these hyper complex sort of societies it becomes more of a thing yeah like they had like a re- they had a territories that if you you know they would fight over territory because they wanted to hunt or yeah. gather or whatever or have water but, but like nobody a, had a this is my plot of land that i own and can sell get the hell to off. you <laughs> yeah so but anyway so you got this idea in the bible that's you know of property rights it seems that you have owned something, it's yours, I don't have the right to take it. But then when we talked about the the year of Jubilee, that you know, every 50 years, 49 years, uh, I forget exactly what it is, um, there's this forgiveness of debts, mm-hmm. there's this return of the land to the original owners, mm-hmm. um, and it, from what I can see, it seems to be because God knows that free markets have a have an issue too Mm -hmm. that if we allow people to just trade and sell and acquire property power begets power Mm -hmm. you know like like what you were saying about the the concentration of uh wealth yeah concentration of wealth so now i have buying power and Mm -hmm. i can buy more stuff cheaper and boom you can see how that just now walmart you know owns the joint because it can buy so much Mm -hmm. you know and and so buying power is, is part of that and so there's this reset 
where God says, yeah, yeah, trade, sell, buy, whatever. Don't steal from one another. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden he goes, all right, reset everything. Debt's forgiven. Mm -hmm. Well, wait a minute. Don't, aren't you owed? Yeah. What about your, the, that's your owed. Mm -hmm. And, and so it's just not that simple, I think, to say free markets. And, uh, and I see a strong, um, argument in the scripture and the way that God set up the go the government of Israel when he was their God and he was saying here's how it's going to be there's like this acknowledgement of injustice right there's this constant cry out to the powerful to show justice to the you know those who lack power and in that in most situations it's then it was orphans widows mm -hmm. right or oh, uh, and he has these built-in structures to to protect them because he knows they're going to be uh, subject to abuse. Mm -hmm. It's not just like, well, the market will work it out. He knows it won't. Yeah. And so he comes in and shuts that down. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I listen to a, a libertarian podcast every week. He has two episodes a week. I usually listen to one or two. And I find myself agreeing with a lot of what he's saying. But mm -hmm. then there's times where I'm like, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know about this. Um, well, but, I, would, I would say kind of on a tangent to what you were saying, I think just in my own personal experience, like, um, I don't think most people think in a very financial way. Like I know at least personally, like I don't think about what money I'm pulling in or going out. Like I don't really think on that level. Um, there's this, uh, I've talked to you about this before, but there's this, um, there's this guy that I listen to on YouTube. His name is John David Ebert. And he breaks I'm going to bleep that out, dude. I'm not trying to promo <laughs> his pot podcast on my podcast he uh he talks about this book i'm just kidding called um it's called the Decline i'm also gonna bleep out your band name <laughs> just <laughs> tell me about your the, man Beep. He's just, gonna, i'm whole, gonna bleep out all everything you're saying <laughs> the whole beginning of the podcast is just gonna be like a long beep in real time that's right listen, um, to, listen to this beat <laughs> beep hank welter beep saxophone beep uh so anyway um one of the things he talks about well so the book is called uh decline of the west by oswald spangler and um, one of the things he talks about, he looks at civilizations not as like a long progression between point A and point B, kind of like if you were to view Western history from the Greeks to the Romans to modern day, like he doesn't view them as one long arc, he views them as kind of individual civilizations that kind of rise and fall. And then he talks about kind of like the entomology of like the general progression that a, that a, uh, that a civilization goes through. Um, and one of the things that he talked about, there's, there's three stages to the, to the progression. There's like kind of your first beginning stage. Um, there's your culture phase where the, where the, um, the, the society sort of actualizes and realizes itself and kind of del delves into the unknown. And then there's the civilization phase where a lot of the sort of spiritual metaphysical delving, and he even argues like mathematical scientific delving kind of cements. And then they just kind of ride off of what they've created at that point, And it just kind of, um, it kind of compresses and they focus less on sort of interior development and focus more on exterior sort of like, um, grabbing onto land and like expanding it's more like empirical so like um the roman empire is like a really good example of this you go from kind of the greeks more artistic athens and then when when it kind of switch over to the roman empire then it becomes very like pragmatic um very logical they don't they're not a very like spiritual people but they're very like um they're more focused on military stuff and like engineering feats and like um sort of financial stuff becomes pretty central to their um to their sort of place so one of the things he mentioned is that if you look at history of like the roman empire for example like you could get through a good chunk of the first two phases without even really factoring money into like what they were doing like it wasn't as central to their sort of like history or their sort of progression day to day um but now like later on when you get these sort of um like because trade becomes such an issue and and garnering power becomes such a central sort of thing then money becomes sort of a a necessity and it becomes sort of an obsession. And I don't think like, I would say kind of where we're at now, like um, everything is being defined around money. Like even, even political sort of positions are being defined around money. Like the conservatives are the less spend less money party and the Democrats are the spend more like money party on. Well, yeah, I think they both spend more. They both spend a lot of money. They but say that the Republicans say, you know, so I talked with my wife last night and I was like, we need a party. Cause I, Look, I'm not I'm not a strict just let the markets flow. I think there's a place yeah. for social nets and blah blah blah. And I'm like, we need a party that's pro life, but also sees the value in social nets. And I was like, wait, that is the Republican Party. They're not cutting the budget. Mm -mm. 
they're not maybe Trump will, I don't know, but as a whole, this budget is not shrinking. Mm-mm. Like Well, I don't think it's they spend, going spend, to spend, spend. Yeah, I don't think it's going to. Hey, let me ask you, I want to change the direction a little bit. Sure. This is kind of related to the stuff you're talking about, civilizations, and I'd like to check out that <clears throat> that guy you mentioned. What's his name again? John David Ebert. Ebert. Yeah. Um, but I want to get, we're not experts in any of this. This is just a bunch of nonsense here. Yeah. Um, but more personally for you, um, let me turn the, the corner here a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you you don't identify as a Christian. No, not really. But you, you're pretty friendly toward Christian ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, some of that's, uh, well, I think there's, maybe I'll let you explain why. But from my from what I read is, well, some of that's your background, the way you were raised. Some of that, you know, you see its impact on society and things mm-hmm. like that. And um, so maybe share a little bit about that. Like, how would you describe your, your not political, but your worldview? Kind of like, who are, right? Back to who are you? What yeah. are you? Why are you here? How do you think through that? Yeah. Um, so I guess, um, like, I've just through the different thinkers that I've encountered and just like looking at the way, um, like if you look at someone who's a Christian versus someone who's not a lot of times, and it's not always the case, like there's, there's atheists that are good. Well, (laughs) that's a really bad way to frame it. But, um, I just like, I think religion is something that's fundamental to like spirituality is something that's very fundamental to humans. Like it just seems to be kind of a necessity. Um, and like the sort of morals that I've kind of latched onto over the years, do line up with a decent chunk of Christianity, or at least a lot of Christians sort of express those values. Um, and so, like, I mean, they don't practice them, but they express them. They express them, yeah, and yeah, some yeah. of they they do practice them more than others. But oh, yeah. it, it just seems like, like I'm I'm more. I think um, I think family is very important, um, just because like that that connection. I find myself yearning for that sort of family connection, um, like spending time with your, like I hear stories about, you know, these families living together and, um, like having farms together and like working together and having, having the sort of like having a deeper spiritual goal, um, centered around like having a family and and moving on, like giving the next generation a good stepping stone. Now let me ask you this. When you say spiritual, what do you mean? Like defining that word? Um, like there, I mean, a connection with some sort of higher power, I think, is kind of there. Um, so actual spirits. Yeah, I would say something. Because like some that. people use spiritual and they mean like, they just actually mean like emotionally deep or sincere or something, you know. But like, you you mean, you're using that in the sense of like. Like something metaphysical, like something like a deeper, I don't know if it's like a god or an energy or multiple gods. Like I haven't really, I haven't really figured out exactly what I am on that regard. But like I. There's just this sense that I get that there's something kind of mystical. Like, I don't really, I don't, I'm not really a materialist. Like, when you run into the issues of consciousness or, like, um, you know, connections with your ancestors or all these sort of things, like, there seems to be something there that's not purely just, like, this gene interacts with just this gene and then produces this. Like, you know, free will is kind of a question that's really hard to answer through, uh, like, entirely. Like, we're chemical machines that react based purely on, like... So you have a sense of there being... And that's a pretty. I mean, that's not. It's not super strange. I mean, that's the majority of you know probably ninety nine point nine 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 go on of humans, mm-hmm. you know, have that which is what gives rise mm-hmm. to different religions, different expressions. They've got this sense or what the Bible says that God put eternity in our hearts, mm-hmm. um, and that we've got this sense of awe, sense of beauty. We you call it something mystical. Um. And, but so there's that, and then there's the idea of like these traditional values. Although that transcends Christianity, I would say you know like it's just traditional. Like you know, certainly there's this like radical disassemble the family. I mean, there's a literally yeah. read an article that says you want to destroy capitalism. You know, you have to disassemble the, destroy family. the family, destroy the family, right? Like, which I think. I mean, realistically, I think capitalism is doing... Here, stay, make sure you stay up a little closer. I, I think, I mean, I think capitalism is already doing a good job of destroying the family. Like, I mean, most people, you look at the arc of how people progress, like you go to, you, you, you're born and then you immediately go into like private daycares. You immediately go to like, I mean, I know it's government schools, but you go to school and then the pressure is to go off like away from home 
go to a college, get a skill, and then set up in some big city somewhere. And like your your focus becomes purely on entering the cycle of like making enough money to buy stuff that makes your life not miserable. And then like just continue like go someone to someone else can raise your kids. Yeah, someone else raises your kids. Someone else like imparts values into your children. Like there's no like your goal is purely like make enough money to buy stuff to make your life worth living to continue to work to go buy stuff to like it's just like this cycle like it's there's no like i feel like there needs to be something deeper to why we do things on a regular basis i think family is kind of a fundamental sort of like from a biological standpoint like um you want your genes to be passed on and you want your like your children to have the best possible scenario to like grow up and like be successful so like it seems like the monogamous family just works out the best like the I just like when I when I interact with like people at your church or other sort of like what I would consider healthy Christian churches like the families are like more close I would say in general like the kids are pretty smart and well put together like it's all a facade dude <laughs> it just, you should like, see my house when you're not around yeah it's just you know, they're all acting right now <laughs> it's all a facade yeah they're actually androids <laughs> my real kids are Chained down in the, the dungeon radiator. um yeah <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, so there's a sense of uh, you got some some values, some traditional values, and a sense of maybe there's something bigger out there. The other night when uh, we were talking, we were talking with you and Maria, and Maria is your uh, lady friend, your girlfriend, mm-hmm. and you guys have talked about marriage mm-hmm. and that being in your future. And we started talking about marriage, and you said something like, "This is going to be a, a paraphrase." Um, Marriage is a arrangement or pact or something between God and um, humans. You know, the, the man and the woman. Like you invoked the name of God, mm-hmm. right? You so okay. So I'm saying, go okay. So what do you mean by that when you say that? Because you're you're describing some general spirituality, some general affirmation of Christian worldview values. When you say God, what, what do you mean by that? So I mean, like my. This kind of come like part. I'm gonna step back to kind of my religious idea. So like I think, um, the sort of postmodern idea that that there is no bedrock to ideas. It, I I think there's something kind of valid to that. I don't think it's a good space to live in. I don't think we should live in a completely valueless sort of society. But I think that God or some sort of God provi- provides some uh, like a bedrock to your moral system. Like okay, um, so it's like a final sort of arbiter in like what is right and wrong because like you could argue like you put a you put a a muslim and a christian guy in a room and you have them argue out whose system is better and like you you know you had a robot ai who's like going to judge who is more correct like you couldn't do it like there's not i mean as a as a christian like you're going to think that you're more justified as a muslim they're going to think they're more justified and in the grand scheme of things neither of them is like in a completely neutral there's no winner you know what i mean like there's no um, sort of like this person is right. So I think having a God, and I'm not someone who views it from a purely functional sort of standpoint. Like I think that was gonna be my next question. Is just yeah, there is a function to it. But yeah. like if I said, uh, I, hey, listen, uh, I don't really believe there's scary monsters in the woods. But I but if I are. tell my kids that, then they won't run out in the woods. Kind of like the movie The Village. Yeah, you know, I'll tell them, and it's strictly utilitarian, and then we're lying to ourselves that. You don't mean it that way. Mm-mm. No, I think that, like, I think that we, there's a sort of, like, uh, delving into the spirit realm and sort of discovering who we are and discovering sort of deeper sort of um, ideas in the ether or out in the universe or whatever. I don't really, like I said, I don't really have a super concrete idea, but um, it seems okay. as though these different civilizations sort of step on something or, like, find something Um Christianity is a great example. Like you have these very like shamanistic type people going out in the desert and, or I don't know how it happened exactly, but like they, they, they're like inspired on such a deep level and they put this sort of text out and then that from that blossoms this huge civilization. I mean, like Christianity is, I think, fundamental to the West and how it's sort of, at least in its modern sort of arc, like Roman empire till now, like it's, it's absolutely fundamental. And like, I wouldn't say it's purely like, I wouldn't say it's purely utilitarian. Like there's clearly like these people were honestly motivated by some sort of spiritual something to sort of pull these ideas out of the universe. And then by applying these ideas, like it was clearly like it's self-evident that it worked out well. So, um, 
And I also think that having the sort of God figure basically like it serves as a, this is right and wrong. And you can't like, you can't reason morals. Like there's just like, they just are what they are. Like, you know, um, well, and the word doesn't actually make sense. You know what I, the word right and wrong doesn't even make sense unless there's a God. Like right. it, it, it actually makes the conversation possible. Yeah. Um, okay. So, um, okay. I think I, I get that. So you, again, it's just this general friendliness to kind of the ethos that you've been raised in mm-hmm. paired with, uh, you know, a, a sense that there is something transcendent out there. Let me ask you this. So you, again, there's just some general things that have come up that I'd love to hear more about. You had mentioned uh, one of your roommates uh, observes or practices uh, Odinism. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is some kind of Viking religion, worshiping a god Odin. Mm-hmm. Thor's daddy. Yeah. Right? Everybody knows that because of Marvel. He's yep. been <laughs> he's been popularized. And you said uh, you guys burnt a Yule log. Yep. Yeah, we went down into the... Donovan and I actually live very close together, and there's a big like timber sort of... Uh, what did you call that? Like a... Did you just refer to me in the fourth person? Did I? I don't know. I mean, when you're sitting with someone and you say Donovan and I, I'm not <laughs> sure what... I was just, I was, oh, you were talking, I was to, the talking to the audience. I talking to the audience. Okay. Um, we. <laughs> I like, like this, that though. There's this riverbed here with just like a ton of trees. So we we went out and like, you know you shouldn't go down there. Why? There's monsters. There's monsters down there. Oh God. Uh, so we went down there and we we chopped down a log like a dead tree and dragged it up the hill and then cut it into pieces and burned it for twelve days. It was pretty. It was pretty rad. I would say it was good. Time. Okay. So now let's just linger there. Why was that rad? Uh, cause you're, you know, you're going out into nature and you're like, you're interfacing with it directly. Like you're, okay. you're confronting, like, uh, I'm going to get really weird now. Like, I think, uh, go one of the interesting contrasts to me is like the contrast between, um, between man and nature. Like nature is very, like, there aren't any hard lines. It's very like fractal, like, soft weird curves and it's all logarithm logarithmic and stuff like this and like there's no like you're not going to find a 90 perfect 90 degree angle like but then contrast to buildings and roads and it's it's very it's like putting it's like it's like trying to apply a like a grid over something that's not like okay structured like that so very lord of the rings yeah um so i think this dichotomy is really fascinating and an, another thing that i've kind of thought about with human beings is we've moved further and further away from directly interfacing with nature like you know animals they 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 interface directly with nature they don't have some of them have shelters which they're generally pretty basic but they they live outside when it rains they get rained on yeah, screw that they drink from a stream like they they have to actually physically touch and kill animals with their bare hands with their pl- faces uh, with their faces like things you gotta that kill are, something with your face that are attached to their body um, which is just like wild to think about, especially when you're going to Hy-Vee and buying like perfectly cut meat off of a off of a refrigerator counter. Um, so- okay, so there's this beauty. I, I get that. There's this kind of beauty to nature. We've been disconnected from that. Yeah. Then so- you went out there with an axe and were gnawing, hacking, yeah. So biting, we, uh, I think burning. that we've lost the appreciation <laughs> for uh, survival. And so, like, um, part of the reason why I find paganism kind of uh, Interesting, or at least okay, Odin okay, is okay. Gotta define that term again. I mean, what do you, when you say paganism, what do you? I mean, like, I have ideas that pop into my head, but tell me what you mean. Like, like Odinist sort of paganism, uh, or just like I mean, it it kind of fundamentally works with the sort of Greek. Like, I like the idea of having um, gods that are more directly tied to life, like like paganism a lot of the a lot of the symbology and religious sort of aspects of it are directly tied to the land that they live in and it's like it's like it um it reinforces like like the god of water or the god of trees or it like the the spiritual practices more directly reinforce like the community and more directly reinforce um survival or like how to best approach um and it kind of also kind of also um emphasizes the relationship between man and nature um, in a way that I don't think a lot of other religions do. So do you feel like then Christianity, is, is that a, do you feel like it seems uh, like God seems distant, like too mm-hmm. transcendent? Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, it's like an, it's like a, it's a people sort of nationless religion. It doesn't really like, it's, it's very universal. 
Um, and the the ideas behind it are, I mean, minus like some of the, you know, atheists always talk about the like, oh, you're not supposed to eat pork or, you know, you're not supposed to shave your beard. There's like, there's kind of stuff like that. But like, for the most part, it's very like abstract or like it, it exists mostly in like the moral sort of realm, um, which I think, I think paganism does as well. But there's also a more like grounding nature to it that I don't really find in Christianity. Okay. Yeah. I th- you know, I would think that there's some uh, plenty of talk in the Bible about I mean, if there's so much uh, nature imagery, mm-hmm. in fact, I was just listening to a Bible Project podcast the other day where I think they said that the word tree was the most used word in the Bible. Really? Uh, I, well, I mean, this is the this is the land, the the uh, you know the culture these people lived in. They were agricultural, you mm-hmm. know, and so anyway, there's all this there's this strong connection to um, the to God through the creation, certainly, mm-hmm. where um, he is responsible for, I mean, in many ways, kind of the way the pagan religions put it, like, he's he sends the snow, he controls the rains, he's, the heavens declare the glory of God, he's, you know, the, the trees clap their hands and sing for joy, and mm-hmm. so I could see probably a lot of the ways that we talk, maybe make it, maybe hide that. Mm-hmm. And, I would uh, say it's not as, like, it's it's not as central to, like, you know, Yule is a holiday where you go out and you cut down a log and you burn it for 12 days so you can survive through the equinox, which is, like, the darkest time. I mean, it's the time where the sun is in the sky, like, for the least amount of time. Like, the, so the, like, like the kind of the ritual aspect. It was like, it's, like, tactile. It, like, connects yeah. you. There's there's something, there's something like, Well, what about spiritual. a Christmas tree, bro? It's, I mean, it, the, the part of... What about Easter eggs? <laughs> these are all very important for survival. Finding eggs full of candy and money, it's... Yeah, it's very know, tactile. Um... So it's uh Okay, so you burn this log. Yeah. Like Okay, so I'm asking you what you what what why that was rad and you're you know, you're giving this kind of a um the connection to nature thing. Mm-hmm. Like couldn't you have just done that without the do you need the Odinism like, hey man, let's let's go out to the woods, let's um chop down this tree, let's burn a log for twelve days, let's Is yeah. there a layer that's of of radness that's added to to uh, this myth kind of overlaying it i guess i haven't i didn't really think about it that way i mean it was mostly red because it was like hanging out with your guy and like chopping down a tree which i've never done before like there's something about like conquering nature or like directly confronting it and surviving and then like you know we drug we dragged up this super steep hill and it was a lot of work and like you you felt like you earned you you know you earned your night's stay like you earned your right to survive to the next day basically like in Mm. a in a very abstract way but it it, like i think the paganism part of it kind of adds a nice sort of spiritual significance to it um and like you know with 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 uh, that sort of paganism, there's a lot of ancestral worship and like a connect, like a strong connection to, like, making your ancestors proud and and um, and uh, being able to survive and be strong and healthy. So is that the kind of thing? So going you know, back to the, uh, you know, there's monsters in the woods type thing. Like, is that the kind of thing that you you think, hey, there's kind of a beauty to this. You kind of treat it like art, and you're like, hey, this is, or do you think there's some kind of actually like man i'm actually communing with my ancestors and like is there an actual spiritual power there or is this kind of it's just kind of uh interesting and maybe a aesthetic or an artistic sense to like add this layer to it but are you like no man i'm really i'm really doing that i wouldn't really yeah I, for me it was more of kind of a fun thing okay um, like i like the idea of paganism i wouldn't really say it resonates like it doesn't like like worshiping, like saying a prayer to Odin or like carving runes into the log before we burn it. Like it doesn't really like, you know, it doesn't really do anything for me. It was, it was a fun kind of thing to do, but yeah, I I wouldn't necessarily say I'm that connected. Let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. What we got, I usually shoot for about an hour. We got 12 minutes or so. We go a little over. Um, If God showed up, like if there is a God, Mm -hmm. like one God, right? Like some being transcendent being that made the universe and, and he visited us. Mm-hmm. What would he look like? What would he do? Ah, oh, man, I don't know. Um, like, how would you recognize Godness? I mean, he would. I don't know. I feel like there would just be, like, um, there'd probably just be sort of like a feeling of, um, 
I just read um, uh, into the, what is it? Into the Silent Planet. Oh, out of the, out of the Silent Planet. We got to get out of that Silent Planet. Um, and like he talks about when he meets Oyarsa, and he like f- like he just feels a sort of air of um, of divinity. I mean, he doesn't say directly, but there's sort of like a feeling of divinity. Like okay. you just kind of feel it and recognize it. Like I feel like a being would um, there'd be like a sort of deep feeling of connection or something something there that's like clear i don't know i wouldn't necessarily ask for like you know pick up this mountain or do something ridiculous like that to prove your value but i feel like there would there would have to be some like sort of deeper understanding that something significant was going on i don't know okay so a sense of awe and glory mm-hmm. um certainly um and that's how the bible writers describe their experience with jesus i mean mm-hmm. john says in the beginning was the word He's talking about the Logos, the Jesus, basically the Son of God who through whom the world was created. Before the world was created, He existed, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the beginning was the Word, and that Word came and dwelt among us. Mm-hmm. And then His exclamation is that we beheld glory. It's kind of what you were, when you said a sense of awe or, what did you say? Didn't say awe. Yeah, there's a, we beheld glory. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it, he doesn't. He certainly throughout his gospels names miracles that Jesus did, but that's not what he chose to say there. He goes, "We beheld something." What we didn't. He didn't say we beheld his miracles. He said we beheld his glory. There was something about his being and essence that they felt proved to them he was God. Right? And they, um, <clears throat> what if? Uh, so it seems to me like there's also like another factor. Like you. So there's got this being who would show up and he would have this glory, mm-hmm. but then the. The other beings who interact with them would need to appreciate it. So, like in Out of the Silent Planet, mm-hmm. you got the ransom character who appreciates like the glory of Oyarsa, but then there's also like m- malevolent characters, mm-hmm. right? Like, what's the guy's name that wants to go and? Oh, it's um, it's like kill everybody. Warden, with... Warden is the Warden. Walter. Or Walter. Walter. Yeah, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. Uh, I think it's I think it's Warden or something with a W. I'm but anyway, kidding. he yeah. he doesn't recognize the glory. No. Well, yeah, he yeah no. he doesn't value he doesn't, it. He doesn't value it. Yeah. So somehow there's this there's this like the pure existence of glory does not mean everyone will see or recognize or it or right? respect it. Yeah. Right. Like there's certain things that you value that others don't. You you say, man, look at this family values or whatever it is and you go man isn't that beautiful and mm-hmm. someone goes no yeah i don't see that mm-hmm. you know so it seems to me that there's a there needs to be like number one the the, the revelation out there like the, the revealing the appearing of this god but then also something that happens inside that gives you the ability to recognize it mm-hmm. you know that's he also says in john one he says uh he came to his own and his own did not know him which is why they killed him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, there's God. Like some people thought he was glorious, and then some people thought he was a heretic. A heretic, and they yeah. mer- so it's like different reactions mm-hmm. to to him. So, okay, so not really sure. Well, I'm going to take the opportunity. You're on the Christian podcast, so I'm just going to take the opportunity and preach to you a little bit here. Um, and then what the Bible says is that God showed up, and that what he did or what he looked like was. Uh, and we've talked a little bit about this before. He, he looked like death, right? Because love mm-hmm. is death, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, right. So if the law is love, because really, if you talk about Christian ideals, or it's really most religions, you know, hold out love. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to get really perverse. Even Islam, you know, there's some crazy things that go on there, but there, the Islamic law is not telling you to kill your sisters and, right. you know, there's like the enemies that might need to be dealt with, but. Mm-hmm. The law is love. Like everyone seems to say, like, well, that's that's what's good. Mm-hmm. And if that is what's good, then what? If God showed up, what would He look? Well, He'd look like love. Mm-hmm. And what does love look like? Death. It looks like death, right? Like, then if He were to love us, then He would die for us. So mm-hmm. here I have this God who tells me, "Love your wife, lay down your life for her. Love your neighbors, lay down, die, lay down your life for them. Love your kids." Lay down your life for them. I am love. I think it just begs the question, like, well, do you lay down your life? Like, does God do that? Does he practice what he preaches? Or does he remain distant? Does he remain, is he a hypocrite? Mm -hmm. Right? And to me, that's what's compelling. 
I mean, there's a lot that's compelling. That's part of what is compelling that I see in Jesus the God that practices what he preaches, the manifestation of love. Like, if God showed up, he wouldn't um, do what we're asking the politicians to do. Mm-hmm. You know, they're kind of fighting about all this stuff and the kind of... And, and, and Jesus is crucified outside the city is another thing that's, to me, compelling. Like, the Romans, the Jews, everybody, the zealots, they're all fighting for power. It's kind of like the political you know, race like right now. now. Yep. And, and he's like, yeah, good luck with all that. I'm going to go... something es- more important to deal with. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go establish a monarchy, right? Yeah. When we talk about, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a benevol- benevolent... He's going to be the king. The king, mm-hmm. Yes. I'm going to be the king. And you're doing your thing and uh, your politics and all this stuff, but I'm going to I'm going to start a new kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. Where my crown. Oh, jeez, you get me going now. Um so that's the kind of thing that to me is just is just gripping, beautiful, uh, intellectually powerful, true to my experience, you know, like mm-hmm. how we view and experience love we've talked about that i know before and you kind of react a little bit right now when i said love is death like yeah I tell rem- me tell me about you know, just kind of how you've processed that i um i might need a refresher on what exactly was because i remember the concept like kind of made sense to me when we talked about it but i don't know if it it really like cemented in my head what was well the idea that love so when i say love is death it's um it's the really that will you use your resources energy power for the benefit of others, will you? Will you? So, um, I just kind of preached on this last week. Like, we have all these plants in this room. Mm-hmm. For them to live, someone has to die for them. Like, I have to use my time, my energy, my uh, thought, my water, mm-hmm. my legs. I don't, and I, they will die if it were up to me because I don't love them. <laughs> I don't care for them. I'm not getting up and watering plants. Mm-hmm. My wife loves them, which means she will die for them. She will get up. Mm-hmm. She will go do the thing. All right, sacrifice, now that's a yeah. sacrifice. Mm-hmm. That's a simple example. The same with children. If you have children, it's so you can die for them. Mm-hmm. If to use your money, your time, you know, simple example. Come home from work, you're tired. Daddy, daddy, can we wrestle? Will you die now, yep. or will you go? You know what? I'm good. I, I just want to. A long day at work. Yeah, and, and you know, there's a time for that. But if that's who you are, they will know. They will say. He doesn't give for me. He doesn't love me. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm saying. When I say love is death, that's it's literally what it is yeah. in, a, in a relationship. For you and Maria to love one another would mean that you seek her well-being, that you sacrifice, that you say, hey, I'm going to use my time, my energy, my talents, my resources to help you flourish. And if she does likewise, now you're in a great relationship. Mm-hmm. You're You're dying for one another. Mm-hmm. Right, so does that help, like, kind of cement the? Yeah, I, th- I think I'm. I'm pretty sure I, I've got it now. Yeah. So if God doesn't die, then God d- doesn't love, is the way I'd put it. But like, would you say you would say then that Jesus, as a like proxy for God dying, would you consider that him dying? Would you consider that God dying for you, or what would you? Yeah, because yeah. Jesus is God incarnate, right? So mm-hmm. in the Christian worldview, he's not just some guy. He is God. Yeah. He's God incarnate. He's the the Word made flesh, mm-hmm. right? He took. That's what we celebrate at Christmas, right? <laughs> Whoa, Emmanuel means God with us. It, like He entered with us. He didn't just make a broken world and go. Well, have good fun. luck with all that. <laughs> but He entered into it, right? So we have a God who who's familiar with our sufferings, mm-hmm. a God who loves us, a God who came and died for us, who practices what He preaches, right? Yeah. And um, so so there's probably a lot more we could uh, we could unpack there. But yeah, that's that to me is compelling. So when I compare all the all the other gods, um, oh, let me read you this. This just popped into my head. Um, Odin doesn't die for me, and I know you don't. You know you're not thinking Odin is real and all that. But there's a lot of people who do, and there's you know Odin or Allah. He doesn't die for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess but, not directly. No. Yeah, at all. Mm-hmm. Why do you say not directly? Well, I mean, you could maybe say that he, but Muhammad's not like a. I don't think he's like a. He's not God. In the he's not. A, he's a prophet. He's yeah, he's a voice supposedly of a voice of God, but Allah remains right. So here we go. Allah says, "Love your enemies, love, love, 
Do you? Mm-hmm. It's just that simple. Love your enemies. Okay, God, do you? Is this like a expecting him to practice what he preaches kind of situation? Shouldn't he? Wouldn't he be consistent? Wouldn't a God be consistent? Wouldn't the things he's spouting not just be, oh, this thing, hey, there's monsters in the woods, but a, but an emanation of like just the fundamental facts. truth, yeah. What is? Why should we love? Because love is good. I am good. Like, yeah, so now you've got this. It's, it's, it's uh, philosophically coherent. Mm-hmm. It's like he can't help but die. Mm-hmm. It's not even like I argue that he kind of doesn't have a choice. Even God doesn't have a choice. Well, all right, here we go. <laughs> we go over time. Okay, so can God be evil? I mean, I would assume he would have to be able to be evil. Why? I mean, he's everything, right? Oh, no, I wouldn't. Well, depends what you mean by that. I'm, well, so now you get into monism. So that's monism and this idea that all is one. And yeah, in, in Hinduism and Buddhism, there actually isn't a right and wrong. Like mm-hmm. consistent Hinduism, yin and yang, everything's one. Um, yeah, rape is fine. This is part of the. This is part of what is. Mm. I, don't, the, I feel like there has to be like well like from the brief now I'm not a scholar by any stretch but like from the brief experience that I had like um, there is kind of a moral code like you gain karma or lose karma based on your actions yeah but that's for the that's there's like I've talked to a couple Hindu guys like that's kind of like the the crutches like the place to start it's like and then you get into the higher level of Hinduism and what it that's, really means like just think of monism so there's this part in the Bhagavad Gita where Krishna has to go to war, mm-hmm. and and he looks across the battlefield and he sees his family members. Mm-hmm. I think I remember hearing about this in school. Okay, mm-hmm. and he says, "How and how how can I do this? How can I go, you know, and kill my family members?" And the basic answer that he's given is that uh, you're operating under the illusion that um, basically there's distinction, mm-hmm. all is one, mm-hmm. and you know everything everything gets submerged into nothingness almost, and like so there's no don't believe the illusion of i mean I, this man this gets really complicated but mo- hinduism basically okay it's monism which means everything is one right mm-hmm. the distinction here the fact that you think you're distinct from me and i think i'm distinct from you and i'm distinct from this and that's distinct is an illusion mm-hmm. so the uh nirvana or salvation or return to our uh, good state is is the dis- disillusion of uh of distinction all back to one mm-hmm. everything's one everything's the same so all those distinctions are wrong mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. me you black white right wrong mm-hmm. there's just no there's this there's no so in the in the christian worldview there's a there's a god where everything he is is good and everything that's antithetical to his character is bad mm-hmm. Right, so no, he can't be evil. He's not everything. He's not evil. He's not hate. Oh, okay. he's love. Yeah, right. So, so can God be evil? Can God lie? The answer is no, no, because he ha- he is a thing. It's like asking the question: Can can an apple tree be a pear tree? Can an apple tree grow pears? No, no. So to say, basically, we're saying God is. I mean, this is getting into like. Man, I'd like to talk to you more about this, this whole idea of free will and all this. Like, But I would say what the Bible teaches is that the God doesn't have that kind of free will. He cannot, the Bible says, is it impossible that God should lie? Mm-hmm. Why? He's not a liar. Yep. He's a truth teller. So he's not fighting not to lie. He's not like, well, maybe I should lie. Well, I shouldn't. He's like, he just, he just exudes truth and goodness. Mm-hmm. Right, and then he looks at humans and goes, "Well, you don't do that because you you're not an apple tree. You're a pear tree. I'm an apple tree. You're a pear tree. You're a pear tree. Yeah. But I want to help you. I'm going to come to you and change you, right, so that you no longer you become an apple tree or whatever. You know, that's, mm-hmm. you know. So there it is, Hank. Promise to be an apple tree. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do what I can. Anyway, we're, we're a few minutes over here right now. I want to stick to our hour thing, but so there's a couple things, right? Love is death, and God has no free will. Wow. wow. So we can revisit that sometime. Um, but man, I'll tell you, that's not necessarily well articulated or understood, I would say, even within Christian sh- circles. That's a, um, I'll give you some stuff to, to listen to that'll kind of blow your mind. But sure. um, 
Anyways, any final thoughts, Hank? Um, not really. No, without getting into tangents. Yeah, yeah. Let's not yeah. do that. Um, how about next time? We'll just uh, we'll do a twelve-hour podcast. We'll just burn a Yule log. Yeah, I'm just kidding. I can't no, partake in those. Days I can't. Twelve days. I can't partake <laughs> in those kind of uh, pagan practices. I've got my own pagan practices to attend to, like Netflix and. Uh, uh, other sins that I partake in. Uh, secular religious <laughs> practices. That's right. So, well, good. Um, Hank, it's a pleasure. Thank you for being here. Yep. And uh, for all of you out there, thanks for tuning in. As always, open to subje- suggestions for topics, questions, things that you'd like uh, to hear us delve into. So hopefully this is encouraging and fruitful for you. So have a good week. We'll see you soon. Thanks, guys.